Welcome to The Director's Take, a podcast where we explore how you go from directing something with your mates to being the most senior decision maker on a film set. I'm Oz Arshad. And I'm Marcus Thomas. And we are both writer-directors at the beginning of our TV and feature film directing journeys. The pathway doesn't exist, so we are going to do our best to help bridge the gap. and welcome back so true to form what happens is when we get a director on we've got way too many questions it goes on for way too long and we have to turn them into two parters so sorry but this is the first part of our conversation with the wonderful Sam Masood enjoy so this week's guest is Sam Masood and Sam is someone that I personally have been following for a while on on, on, on like low-key online stalking, uh, just simply because he's uh, a South Asian male, same generation as me. And uh, when you see someone that looks like yourself in the industry, obviously you try and root out like how they got to where they got to because you relate to it. And that's what that's what's amazing about having representation, especially behind the camera. Um, Sam has a really interesting story which we're going to dig into, which I don't know. I don't think it started with two doses, but he did a short back in two thousand and nine, I think, called Ada Cup, which means half a cup, um, and it was a black and white sort of like bilingual film, which I was blown away by the fact that someone had done that because I thought only I've got the idea to do that, and it wasn't then when I watched it. I actually saw it after two doses, I think, because I really liked the work, and then um, you've then progressed to doing uh, a feature. I know I've missed a load out, but I'm going to let you fill that in. And then you've gone straight into TV and you've done some pretty big hitters with the Bulletproof series. And uh, you were lead director on, or the only director on BBC's You Don't Know Me. Welcome, Sam Masood, to the podcast, to the director's take. Thank you very much, man. Pleasure to be here. Yes. Awesome. Awesome. So look, I wanted to like start from kind of like the beginning of your journey you went to film school, was it 2001? And then if you just summarise like how you got to doing two doses. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd say it's a stretch to call it a film school is what I'd say for starters. Yeah, <laughs> defo. It, and uh, you know when people always ask, oh, like, how do you get into the industry? But when I was younger, I, I genuinely just wanted to be um, John Barnes. You know, like, because again, he looked a little bit like me, played football. I was like, he's beautiful on the ball. So I tried to do that. I played for colleague Eagles and this guy tried to break my leg, all the racial abuse, it was really cold, I had shorts, got skinny legs, I was like, I ain't doing this. So I thought I'd do a summer sport, so I started playing cricket, grew my hair like everyone Khan, copied his bowling, slipped a disc in my back. I thought I can't do this anymore either. And then the only thing I used to do is my, my folks used to put like a bit of paper on the back table with my sisters and we'd draw. And they'd leave after about four minutes because this is boring, but I'd sit there for hours drawing. So I was like, oh, maybe I could do something with this. It's a long-winded way of saying, but I remember there was a guy who used to knock around and that he dressed like fucking cool. He was just so cool. And I was like, what do you do? Asian guy, like, what do you do? He said, I did graphic design. So I was like, I've got to do graphic design if I want to be cool. Do you know what I mean? So, uh, so what I did is um, did a pre-degree art and design foundation course, which is a bit like going to Goa, but instead you go to Clarendon College on Stony Street in Nottingham and you find yourself for a year. And I was like, I've got to do graphics, man, because this guy does it and he's cool. Uh, and then after a bit, I was a bit bored by the drop shadow, the kerning, and I was like, this is a bit shit. But there was a course in Hull, which did graphic design for slash television and film. So I was like, that sounds quite interesting. I went for my interview and there were two tutors. There was a graphics tutor and there was a film tutor. And uh, what they were saying is they were separating the course so you could either do one or the other. And I didn't know it at the time, but basically the film guy needed 11 people to do the course, otherwise it wouldn't exist. And he looked at me and he was like, I think you're a film guy. He was like, I can see it, the way you're talking. He hadn't looked at my work, but he's obviously blagging because he needed 11 people to do the course. Yeah. In my head, I'm like, this guy gets me, mate. I'm doing film. Do you know what I mean? So I'll, I go all the way up to Hull to do this course, yeah? And uh, I remember sitting in the first lecture and they were talking about close-ups over the shoulders, you know, wides. And I'm looking around like, all films are made in one shot. I, I genuinely had no concept how to make a film. Yeah? Wow. Yeah. Uh, but after three years, I was the only one to graduate with a first because I worked hard. Do you know what I mean? Like I grafted. Uh, if a visiting lecturer came in, I basically followed him. I was like, oh, can I talk to you? And they're like, no, I've got another lecturer across town. I was like, well, can I just walk with you? So I just walked with them across town because in my head, I was like, I need everything that's in your head. 
And back then it was all VHS, so, you know, I'd go to the library, I'd take out six films, you know, I just, I, I literally just binged. And I was that guy, you know, who was like, got to go watch that 35 millimeter print of so-and-so, do you know what I mean? It's like, I just thought, I don't know enough shit, so I need to learn all these shit so I can forget it. What was your mm. taste? What were you, what, what were you into? Or were you just consuming everything? Mate, literally everything. I was like, you know, Andre Tarkovsky and then Kurosawa. You know, I didn't know any of this stuff. So I was like, what is all this about? One car, why? Uh, and then I fell in love with Lehane, the Kasovitz film. And I was like, just trying to rip that off. And then Buffalo 66 came out. I was like, we've got to rip that off. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, and everything remained was shit. Do you know what I mean? It was really bad. Uh, but, you know, blagging it. We were like, there's equipment there. Let's do it. Let's just steal stuff. Keep making it. Go over here. And I remember back in those days, we were just like, we need a bus. So I'd just call the bus company and say, can I, you know, I'm a student, can I? And they were like, yeah. And the whole, for some reason, everyone was like, either I was really good at blagging it or they were really good people. And they were like, yeah, cool. So we'd, I needed a bus for a day shoot and a night. So this bus driver rocks up. Nine of us rock, get on. And I said to the bus driver, he goes, where do you want to go? I said, I don't really know. I hadn't thought about where we want to go. He goes, should I take you to Humber Bridge? I was like, yeah, cool, yeah. So he drove us to Humber Bridge and then we come back. That night, we're shooting again, another bus driver. We all get on. He goes, oh, where do you want to go? I said, I've got no idea, mate. He goes, should I take you to Humber Bridge? <laughs> so, so somehow we had good continuity of the same bus going to Humber Bridge because of this bus driver. Do you know what I mean? Did uh, you have to pay him? No, didn't pay anyone. Why, why doesn't everyone just do that? <laughs> just use know, buses but... like taxis if that's a thing you can I, do. I, I, bet, I bet you couldn't do it now. For some reason, yeah. this is like 99, 2000-ish. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, and yeah. I remember we needed a fridge. I just went to this guy saying, well, can I have one of your old fridges? And we uh, we used this fridge. We're like, walk in a fridge down the street. And the guy was like, yeah, cool, take that. Uh, filmed in the city centre toilets. I think we gave him the chocolates. And I didn't drink or anything. So one of the guys was like, I'll get him some wine. So they just gave him some wine. And he just stayed in longer and didn't lock up. Do you know what I mean? Wow. It, it was it was bizarre, but it was proper gorilla. You know, like, we need to be in this place. Can we do this? Uh, uh, but I used uni to be my film school, I guess, where I just learned and, and tr tried to graft and uh, uh, I remember really early on we had this lecturer come in called Jerry Feeney and bear in mind I didn't have a clue what I was doing yeah and he divided us into two groups uh, so there's five on one side five on the other and he, he basically had an hour so I would be an actor for an hour Oz would do sound Box you do camera so and so would do lighting and then after an hour you'd switch around and you all had the same one page two page script and we all did it yeah I remember acting opposite Darren and I was I was corpsing crying my eyes out so in the end i acted like a bit my cheeks and i closed my eyes yeah and then what jerry feeney did is he told darren off because darren was directing because you've got to work with actors you've got to know what you're doing and um i remember i did my thing so i did my hour and then after he'd done this session he'd sit us down in the class and he'd put all the like the dv tapes on and he'd say mm. okay who's mox this was yours why did you put the camera there why mm. didn't you put it a bit lower and then that person had crumbled and be like yeah you're right jerry sorry mate do you know what i mean <laughs> And then yeah. he put mine on, yeah? And I was the only one, for some reason, we're in a studio where the scene, I still remember, was a guy knocks on the door, walks into the room, says something, and it was a fake gun, shoots him and leaves, yeah? So I was like, well, why doesn't he knock on the outside studio door and he walks in? Because it's a real door, do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and then how about we turn all the lights off in the studio and then when he opens the door, we just let the lights shine through from outside. Yeah, which right now doesn't seem mind you know, incredibly intelligent or anything, but it just seemed to make sense to me logically. And I was like, let's just put the camera behind it. So I did that. And then it came on and Jerry Feeney's like, who's is this? And I'll tentatively put in my hand up. And he's like, this shows signs of early Scorsese. Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> fucking hey, bear in mind, I don't, I haven't got a clue what I'm doing. Yeah. So I run home. Yeah. For some reason I ran up, ran back and I rang home because my mum and dad didn't have a clue what I was doing at uni. And uh, my dad went here and I said to my sister, tell dad, Jerry Feeney said, the shades of early Scorsese in my work. That evening, my dad rings me back and he's like, who's Scorsese? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, but for some reason, it gave me this boost. And then fortunately, you know, graduated uni with the first. And then there was this course in Hull. Uh, there, there was um, a festival in Nottingham called Bang Short Film Festival, where you'd, you know, anyone local would make a film. And they'd screen it at Broadway Cinema. And, you know, me and Dean and a couple of other guys, we'd just make a really bad short film and then bang it, screen it. And I was like, I'm in. Like, my film's being shown in the cinema. So we'd just spend the year trying to make a film, get it shown at Broadway, and be like kings for the night, and then try to do it again. And inadvertently, they gave me false hope to tell me that I was good because they were screening my film on the cinema. Like, the films are shocking, do you know what I mean? But I bet you were buzzing. Yeah, we were like, come on, it's on, do you know what I mean? Like, let's go, let's go watch these films. And then... 
and then you just try to do it again and again and again like um so that that was the process post uni anyway um and i kind of they kind of leave you after uni with like good luck do you know what i mean you got a showreel on vhs mine might have been svhs if anyone who knows it's a little bit better than vhs yeah the quality's like two percent better so i was sending this for super yeah <laughs> exactly yeah <laughs> i'm sending this vhs out trying to get it into places getting nothing do you know what i mean uh, still don't really know what my voice was as a director. I was just like making shit. You know, we were just making stuff up. Uh, me and Dean had an idea. It was called Who's the Hardest? We were going to walk around Senton and just say, like, who's the hardest? And then this guy would say, oh, Jimmy. It's obviously Jimmy, isn't it? So then we try to find Jimmy. And then the next guy would say, uh, oh, yeah, yeah, Jimmy knocked out three guys. I remember. Do you know, that was our idea. We were just like, this sounds like a good idea. We'll just do that kind of shit. And then randomly in Nottingham, there was a there was a scheme in knots called DV Shorts where they gave you like five k I think it was to make a short film. So you'd apply with an outline, uh, and I applied, and then it's a bit like Krypton Factor where you got to jump over these things, you know, show you know what you're doing, tell your story, and then they condense it down, and you get down to like the last six or something. I remember I got down to the last few. There was a script editor came up from London. Do you know what I mean? It was serious, mate. She was coming up from London to tell you what's wrong with your script. Uh, and in the end they said, oh, sorry, we're not going to make yours. So we made it anyway. Dean was in it. And I had, there was a series of that where I was trying to get films made, couldn't get any money. So I made it anyway. And then there was another one called I Back Up, uh, which was, I think they were giving us 15K to make a 15 minute film. And I'd written this script. It was black and white comedy drama. I know, do. I remember the guy, one of the guys who was running the course or, or the scheme, he said, oh, why are you doing it in black and white? You know, it's Asians. It should be like colorful and saris and spices. And I was like, you know, I think you can be colourful characters. It doesn't have to be black and white. It doesn't have to be colour. Do you know what I mean? It's literally the characters yeah, are colourful yeah, yeah. and we're viewing it through a different prism. And, mm. I, and and I didn't get it again, so I didn't get the money for that. But he said there's a scheme called Coming Up in London. You could apply for that. And I thought, I can't get regional funding. I'm going to get national funding. But, um, you know, somehow I did. Yeah, fortunately, I got I got funding for that. Uh, uh, you know, that was a hell of an experience making that. Yeah, I was the only writer director in that year. Thinking back, probably didn't really know what I was doing, but you know, I was trying to tell this story and try to tell it. Well, I remember uh, Jack Ravenscroft. Was, Jack Ravenscroft was a producer who used to be an AD, and I remember being on set the first day and uh, sort of kind of rehearsed it with the actors, and they were like, "Should we do a crew show?" I've never in my life done a crew show. Yeah, and for me, it was like the actors are precious. Don't do anything till I'm rolling. So that they kind of started, and I was like, "I'm going to stop you there." To the actors, I said, yeah, so he's going to come in, he's going to stand there, the door's going to open, the other guy's going to come out, the two bad guys are going to come out, they're going to run over there, they're then going to say the line here, and then he's going to stay over there and go back in, which obviously makes no sense, because everyone's like, what are you talking about? Should we not just act it? And everyone's like, and then Jack goes, well, should we just, just run it once so they can see it? And I was like, well, okay. And I thought, fucking, I feel like a kid here. Do you know what I mean? Like, mm. Obviously, all the crew, crew were professional, we've been doing it for eight years, you know, bored, watching me this lunatic from nottingham who's like no 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 we're not going to do it your way this is how i'm saying we're going to do it yeah um so it was a learning curve in that sense but also i think maybe because i've written it or because i cared about the characters and it was a world i'd created i was kind of like at the end of the day even now it still holds me in good stead is like all you care about is what's happening in front of you do you believe what's happening and what language you use to get that the actors or whatever uh, hasn't really changed maybe it's been refined but I trusted that in that moment and that's what got me through if i'd stopped and stared at 40 people who were like worked on james bond i probably would have crumbled do you know what i mean but uh i do remember that first day being like this is a bit weird isn't it you know? and, and and was it that that helped you get the the, the film london because film london was sought after funding uh well that was like 2009 and I, and I think two doses was like five years later right okay so yeah. what happened between that then because what I mean is, did Ada Cup help you as, or oh, he he can he can shoot, he can direct to then get the funding for BFI? No, not really. Because it, it, it took so long. I think after that, I remember um, I got an agent. I met two agents. I went with one of the agents who had a lot of big clients. And I was like, bang, my name's going to be next to like Kevin McDonald. So I'm in here. Uh, and then I didn't realise I'd just be talking to the assistant the whole time. Um, <laughs> but they said, what do you want to do? And fortunately, other couple have been picked up by the BBC as a series, six part, which I was writing. So I was like, I'd really like to make this. And at the same time, the BFI had said, it was a UK film council back then. They'd said, have you got any feature ideas? And I was like, not really. But the producer I was working with at the time, she was like, just come up with something. They're going to give you some cash here. So I was like, okay, cool. I've got, I've got an idea. Do you know what I mean? So I kind of wrote it as I was saying it kind of thing. 
Um, but then I had development money for that. I had development money for a ser series I was writing. Uh, and then I remember, uh, remember that show with the, the kids, the guys who were superheroes. Um, they had this powers. Um, heroes. Oh, heroes. No, but the, what was the Channel 4 version? Oh, Younger guys. Misfits. Yeah, Misfits. Misfits. So yeah. I remember uh, they were like, would you like to do Misfits? I was like, nah, mate, I've got my own series I'm writing. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I didn't think that I should just keep directing, keep that muscle flexing. Yeah. I was like, no, no. Oh, shit. So you got offered that? Well, I don't know. Oh, they were like, do you want to meet? Do you want to read it? You oh, know? shit. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, forget about it. You know what I mean? <laughs> and then I remember there was a TV film about Band-Aid. Um, and I, I, again, they were like, we'd be interested in that sound. I was like, nah, not for me, mate. Thanks. Do you know what I mean? And I was just turning this shit down, thinking like, I'm in here. I've got a six-parter of my own. And no one said to me, look, you should have done it. My agent didn't advise me to say, look, you should do that because... The That's development pretty bad on their part. Oh, really bad. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I was just chatting to the assistant, and the assistant's yeah. like, yeah, cool, you know what I mean? I remember, I remember I was so skint at one point. I was, like, emailing them saying, like, I'm skint. I've moved to London. I've got no money. Mm. Uh, can I meet? And they were like, oh, the agent's out. Come and see me, the assistant. And we're in a reception, and I see the agent leave. And I'm like, this is just bizarre. Do you know what I mean? Mm. Uh, and then I left. And then I remember leaving that agent going to the other one. And... um uh, I didn't even get an email. You know, not even a courtesy email to say sorry, didn't work out. But we're, you know, thanks for moving on or whatever. Yeah. So I, I, what I would say is, I was in development, feeling like I'm in, and then it all went quiet. Do you know what I mean? And then I'm like grafting, and then I'm trying to uh, just do what I can. You know, I'm, I'm doing side hustles, left, right, center, to keep money coming in. And then uh, I'd move to a new agent who then gets you working around town doing general. So you're just basically going into a meeting, mm. and people wouldn't have even seen Adakup. Would have read the one pager I've got. They'd be like, "Oh, cool! So you write any direct?" I was like, "Yes, that's why I'm here." Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I'd hope you knew that. And they're like, "Oh, right, I'll read your stuff." So you're like, okay, so there was just a cycle of this weird meeting people, kissing a load of frogs, not knowing when one's going to become a prince. Do you know what I mean? Uh, which is quite frustrating, but you got to keep doing it. And then at that point, my agent got me in a meeting with Rochelle, who was looking for a director for a short she was trying to make on the coming up scheme uh, on the film London scheme. And I read it and I thought it was okay, but she was working at the BBC. So I was like, you should really work with the producer at the BBC if you're smart. So I took the meeting, I uh, told her what I thought was good and bad about it. And um, backtracking a little bit, when Ada Cup was at a festival, we lost to a film by Nikesh, Nikesh Shukla, who co-wrote Two Doses. So I was like, I'll make friends with this guy because he just won at the festival. Yeah? Hmm. And I was like, so we stayed in touch. And then four, three, four years later, both of us were like, we're getting shit made here. Nothing's getting made. And I said, have you got anything? He sent me a load of short stories and one of them was two doses. So I, like, foolishly, I was like, let's just make it, send a restaurant, you know, what's it going to cost? hundred quid? Do you know what I mean? We'd have a clue what we're doing. But we like, yeah, let's just make it. And then Rochelle said, have you got anything else you're trying to make? And I said, oh, me and Nikesh have got this idea. So I sent her the idea and she got out of the tube the other end and said, yours is better. Let's submit that to, to London Calling, yeah. And I think the submission was like two days away. So we, we just blagged it and put, put, put that application in with Rochelle. So that 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 two doses is quite. Uh, 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 I don't want to talk about the film. People can see that online. It's on BFI Play for free. But I just want to talk about. Look, you worked with. You got Himesh on there. Yes, I am solely responsible for Himesh Patel's career. Just so you all know that. You know exactly. what though? What is interesting is that I actually saw two doses back when I was at the period where you were at uni, where you was just watching everything, and I came oh, across right. it uh, randomly. Um, and I remember seeing Himesh in it, and I remember seeing that it. It won a competition, which was um, had Danny Boyle on the judges panel. Yeah. Yep, and then yep. after that, uh, he was like basically casting yesterday. I was like, is is it because he's seen that and he's kind of he's that he's he's Mate, kind of got that in his memory, and you know, then he's you been know, cast you know, later you know, on. So Himesh kindly invited me to the premiere of mm. uh, yesterday, Leicester Square. Um, I kind of went in, sat upstairs on my own, and. Um, at the start, Danny Boyle was doing all the intros. So he's like, you know, here's Lily James, you know, here's Ed Sheeran. And then he's like, and then this guy, Himesh Patel, you probably don't know this, but there was a short film uh, that he was in, directed by Sam. And I think Sam's here, he said, yeah. No. I'm like, you're all like that from the top. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, there he is. I was like, fucking risk. You know, I'm a, I've got a massive man crush on Danny Boyle and Jürgen Klopp. Pretty much the same guy. Do you know what I mean? I was yeah, like, that's yeah. why I love this guy. Do you know what I mean? Already in Leicester Square and he's shouting me out and made a shitty Amazing. little short film. And then, so because it's him, actually, he goes, come to the after party. I'm at the after party. And that festival, because of that festival that we won, I got to have lunch with Danny Ball. So I went out for lunch with Danny Ball. I had a whole lunch with him. 
and now he remember me, whatever. So he's on the shout. I'm at the after party. Danny Ball's over there. So I go over. There's a queue, basically like the Queen. You know, you're waiting to meet Danny Ball. I go over. I say, Danny, and I said, Oh, thanks for what you said. And he goes, Sorry. I said, Oh, I'm Sam. <laughs> he's going to remember me for shit. Do you know what I mean? He was like, Who are you? I was like, I'm Sam. The guy who just shouted out. He goes, Oh, right, great, great, thanks. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you did say it was because of two doses because they made him laugh. Yeah, which is great. Yeah, but he oh, messed man. We knew back then. Yeah. It's like he was in it, and we were like, I remember walking around one of the nights. I was like, "You've got to leave these standards, bro. You know, you're 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 special." And he was like, "It's hard, you know, I've got a house and you know." Mm. But he knew when he stepped up, man. And you know, I've got nothing yeah, to do sick. with where he is. But you know, it, the guy had it, and the guy had it the whole time, and he still got it. Yeah, next James Bond, start the rumor. <laughs> so, so that 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 year of uh, uh, film London or London Corner, whatever it was called at the time. Yeah, yours was a pretty. Like special year, man. Like that that cohort who was in there. There was Sam Masood. There was Nida Mansoor. Yep, Nida Mansoor. Alim Khan. Khan. Yep, yep, yep. Fucking hell! Like that's a and and there was a couple of other people I think as well, weren't there? Yeah, and random. We sort of kind of stayed in touch, you know. Um, Riz sort of vaguely in touch with me. He's like massive now, but Nida. I remember me, Nida, and Aline got invited to Scotland to do a talk with like up and coming filmmakers up there. I think they offered us like 200 quid. I was like, yes, I'll take that. Do you know what I mean? Oh, that, that's good money, mate, 200 pounds. So we all went up there and uh, I remember me and Nida were walking around Scotland. She'd been up for a job. She was like, Sam would be good for this job. Like, you know, and I was up for a job and I was like, TV jobs, you know, when you go in for meetings. And I remember back then I was going up for meetings and, uh, you know, they'd send you a script and then you might have to catch season one of it or whatever. And, and I remember a number of times I'd go in and shake hands, say hello. And they'd say, oh, look, first of all, we really like your work, but we can't offer you a job on this. But thanks for meeting. We'd just love to hear your take on it. And I remember saying to my wife, I was like, oh, that's what... And she goes, but that's weird, isn't it? Like, that must kill you. Like, you've gone in for a job interview and they've straight away said you're not going to get the job. Do you know what I mean? It, it was quite bizarre. It, it, I don't know if it was ticking boxes or what, but it, it was... A, and she was going through the same thing and both of us, like, walking around Scotland, like, skin... Uh, she hadn't made Lady Park, she hadn't made, you know, Polite Society. I think I was in the edit for My Pill Land because I'd gone out and just done that, but both of us were a bit disheartened and thinking, you know, what we do. I think Aline was still writing uh, After Love. Uh, I think Riz, had, Riz was killing it by then, but yeah. Um, competitive yeah, yeah. cohort and a great cohort. Competitive, do you say? Yeah, as in just, I don't mean with each other, I'm just saying, like, there was a lot of talent in that cohort, man. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, Defo, man, you know. I'm looking forward to see what Aleem does next. Uh, Nida's just killed out of Sundance, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I know someone who's watched it and they really liked it. Is it? Great. Yeah, they, they watched it at, at Sundance, yeah. So this is classic, where she's like, can you come for a screen? I've got, got two kids, mate. I ain't leaving the house. Do you know what I mean? She's like, can you turn up for we're doing a little bit? And I was like, nope, got to put the baby to bed, mate. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's nice that you're all in touch, though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I always try. I always try to shout out if, if someone's doing good, man. You know, it doesn't, it's not much... To just send someone a message and say, I saw your trailer or whatever, yeah. Mm-hmm. So, two doses happened. Yes. And then it was, it went it went down for you then, isn't it? After that, you're yeah, kind of yeah. like, and then from there, you know, we moved on to By Pure Land. Can you talk about that? Because what I've got written down in my notes is, you told me a story about you actually went and worked as an art assistant or art runner or yes. something. Yes, yeah, man, so yeah. So let's talk about that. Uh, even sort of like, so two doses, like, I got paid nothing obviously uh luckily my wife was working so she she was she does graphics in the art department so she was bringing in the bacon and then you know at that point you she was bacon though do you some no Just no to... yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> clarify yeah. <laughs> <laughs> It's just a saying, us. Oh, just a saying. <laughs> Any Muslims out there, it's just a saying. <laughs> and, uh, so she, it was, you know, I've talked about it before. She was like, you know, about time you grew up and got a proper job. Do you know what I mean? Like, I mean, I've been 2001, I graduated. It's like 2014 now. So in my head, I was like, just let me make one fill. You know, one fill. And two doses did do quite well, you know, like it, it was doing all right. And I, so I knocked on everyone's door, BFI, Film 4, BBC. I said, I've got this film I want to make in Pakistan and they were like no not going to give you the money we don't fund foreign films so then I was like I don't know what we do here because I just want to make this one film and retire and at the same time like I said she had friends in the art department and they were like just tell Sam to come and you can lift stuff for us in the art department do you know what I mean I was like cool well I'll keep my head down and I'll just lift things do you know what I mean move stuff around 
Because uh, your financial situation was that dire, you just thought, yeah. I, I need to do something. Yeah, you, you, can't, you can't just sit down at home writing all and day. And your wife's a production designer, so she was in the art department, and that's how it... She was production designer on Michael and Two Doses, but otherwise she does graphics. So she was right. doing graphics on big gigs, do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And then she knew people, and they were, she was like, does anyone need a hand? And then, so I would, I would just go and like lift stuff, like Joe Mansa. He was like, yeah, can you come and do this, do that? And um, one of the jobs I was lifting on someone had found out that I was a director because I was on Curtis Brown do you know what I mean I, my name was up on the website and they'd found out and then the director sat down with me at lunch and said I heard you're a director what, you know, what's going on I said I've got this film I'm trying to make it's a modern day feminist western set in Pakistan he said I'll be your first investor and I, I don't think we were thinking about self-funding at that time yeah so he's like I'll be, your, I'll be your first investor and he said how much do you need and Film London were doing uh, Microwave which was 150k I think back then so I said, I need 150K. <laughs> just, you know, I did have a producer. I didn't know what the budget, I was like 150K. So he was like, cool, you know, we'll just get 10 guys, whatever it is, put 5K in, you know, or 10K, you know, you, you'll get there in the end. So I was like, that sounds pretty easy, actually, doesn't it? Like 15 guys putting in that much money. Uh, and he goes, come out for lunch with me. I was like, okay. So he took me to, you know, like a proper wanky solo house. Um, I think I had water because I was worried I'd have to pay. You know what I mean? And uh, yeah. and he was like, "Look, I come from a world where we all bought houses and we got money. This is nothing. Uh, we've got a load of people." I was like, "Cool." Um, but this was like Octoberish, I think maybe. Uh, so I run home. I'm like, "We are in." I told told me wife. I was like, "You know, we've got this man. This guy's going to put the money in." And I went out and I bought myself a chair. You know, a bit like this, nice leather. I got to sit down. I said, "I've got a right feature, mate. I need a chair." So I got this chair, spent like 70 quid on a chair, you know, 75, 99 or something. I was working in the loft, like roll dial, like getting up at 5 a.m. mate, hot water bottles. And the whole time, my agent's trying to do the deal with this this guy and his company. So I was writing the treatment. And I remember my agent was like, oh, they've asked to, um, they want a co-writer credit, this person does. I was like, but they're not writing it. He's like, yeah, they want a co-writer credit. I was like, cool, give it. You know, I didn't really care. because so I was like, I just mm-hmm. need to make the feature. And then a couple of other things happened. And then I think we went on holiday or something. And then January, uh, I got an email from my agent saying they've pulled out. So they, they don't want to make it. The whole thing just went. Shit. Yeah, yeah. It was, and I was like, I was like you. I was like, shit, man, I've just paid for a chair. I've got to make this film now. <laughs> so in my head, I was like, he's given me a template. If I can get enough people to just put five or 10K in, we can make it. And we do it by SEIS, which is the government gives you money back if, you, if you're a UK tax person you pay tax in the uk so we just did that a load of friends a load of family put a load of money in we got to a stage where i had about 60k so i thought i could go to pakistan shoot it for 60k edit in our spare room and then raise the rest of the cash and then at the same time my agent got me in a room with bill kenwright's company who were looking for a director for a feature they were trying to make and i successfully talked myself out of the job they were offering and pitched a feminist western set in pakistan and purely perchance turns out bill kenwright loves a western yeah so he's got, there's a film called Shane. He's got the original outfit the guy wore in his office. Do you know what I mean? Right. So next thing you know, I'm upstairs. Bill's just asking me stuff. Like nothing, nothing taxing or anything. And, and there and then he just shook me hand. And he's like, you know, we'll complete the financing and we'll make the film. Yeah. So that, that's how that happened. Yeah, yeah. But I guess after two doses, despite making a decent short film, I couldn't get a job as a writer as a, or a director on a comedy, do you know what I mean? On anything, it was, it was kind of. And, and, and I know that, that that was that was a very frustrating time for you. And yeah, and, and, the, and the mad thing is, like our kind of like worlds kind of like passed by each other because at the time, back in 2016, when I left school to pursue doing the feature that I was employed for to do, um, I remember Dean because I got him on 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 um, Dean's a, a mutual friend of ours. He said to me, "I was in two doses. Do you want to have a look at it?" And looked at it. And then when I saw Two Doses, I was like, why the fuck does what I want to make not look like that? That's really good. <laughs> what was mad was, um, at that time, Guz was about to come out, Guz Khan. Yeah, yeah. And I, I was I used to hang around with him quite a bit then. Um, and I remember him saying when they were taking meetings for Man Like Mobeen that he spoke to you. Really? Right, right, right. Go here. And, and, and I remember him saying, because I was like, I want him to take a meeting with me, Guz. But yeah. obviously, I had nothing to show, and I wasn't the fucking director. I was just like, yeah, I'm yeah. this guy. But it was mad, like that you and I remember. I remember you saying it was frustrating because you couldn't even get that. I know. Well, you think about it. You know, if it's a brown man, I'm brown. It's a comedy. You know, I've just done a comedy set in the Midlands. I'm from the Midlands. 
you know what I mean? If you can't get that, it it it, it was quite tough. You know what I mean? It was like, mm. you know, I've got a friend who's an editor, and he was up for a commercial, a food commercial, and they said to him, "Oh, there's no food commercial stuff in your showreel," and he was like, "What? You want to show? You want me to show you that I can edit food?" <laughs> for you to give me the edit and I was like there was a lot of that stuff you know they weren't giving you period dramas because you hadn't done a period drama what couldn't do a horror I was like I can't even get that do you know what I mean and I think now I know he's just got a, a brown guy to direct this the current series it was like maybe the the onus wasn't on there you know Black Lives Matter all that shit wasn't really happening where people were like it does help if you have representation behind the camera mm -hmm. which will inform your work they weren't conscious of that and Bill probably wasn't in a position or, you know, maybe... No, he wasn't. I know that he liked your work, though. I remember him saying... Yeah, but you'd hope, you know, someone would be like, okay, smart enough, this guy's going to bring something else that we need to, to, to elevate the work. And and also, and, and also, bruv, you know, with the all respect to him back then in 2016, he didn't have a clue what he was doing either. Exactly. Was, and that's he... what I'm saying is Guz wasn't Guz, where he could no. say, you need this guy to do it. You know, yeah, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which, which is fair enough, but it was, it was tough to take. You know what I mean? It's like... I remember walking around, I was just doing the, the big shop because my wife was working. It was like, you know, you're, you're holding on to this thing where you're like, I'm going to be all right, I'm going to be all right. But, you know, I, I've said it before, like, I always felt I would make it. And if I didn't, it wouldn't be because of me. Mm. But you get these knocks where the whole time you're like, I've got to get this one and you don't get it. So you've got to hope there's something else. And she, my wife would always say, how come? You know, you never, you know, you never stopped to become an electrician or something. And, and, and I'd always quote, quote Gattaca, which is like, you know, I never saved anything for the swim back. I was always going that way. It wasn't like for fail, then I've got this backup. It was like, I'll get there in the end. But for a long time, it was like, you know, being on a travelator at the end of Gladiators and, you know, you're trying to get through that cling film at the end and I can feel it, but I can't get through it. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I mean, it we... got desperate for you where you were editing for a Muslim charity. Yeah. Which is which is where I have parallels to you. Um, that's you what got, I was doing. Like I said, you've got to do something for your side hustle, man. You yeah. know, I, I remember um, uh, I was trying to get teaching gigs, couldn't get them. I remember I remember going to Leamington Spa to do something, had an interview. I had to wear a suit. I'm like, wearing a suit for an interview? This is like bizarre. I remember mm. they were asking me actual questions. You know, like in, a, in, a, in all kind of interviews, it's like, oh, how did you do that? What was that? They had written down questions that they were reading. And I was like, what am I doing here? And if I'd got that gig, God knows what would have happened. Do you know what I mean? But I did something to, to not get the gig. But I was I was trying, man. And then, you know, fortunately, Muslim hands were like, you know, the deal, he was there. He's like, I need a guy to help with this. And this is their laptop I'm actually using. This is still Muslim yeah. hands' laptop, yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. But he was like, yeah, you know, and he would, um, he'd have gone off to Sudan to shoot something, you know, he'd have like 14 hours of footage. And he'd be like, can you make a five-minute video out of this? I'm like, yes, that'll be hard, but yeah, I'll do it. So I'd, I'd edit this in a 14 hours into five minutes. And then he'd like, he'd be like, great, can you make it two minutes? I was like, there's no way in the world you can make this perfect five minute thing into two minutes. Do you know what I mean? And I'd do it. And he's like, great, can you do a one minute? I was like, Adil, are you mad? This is perfect as two minutes. You want me to make a one minute? So I do a one minute and he's like, oh yeah. And I need a 30 second. I was like, <laughs> so he, just, he was just ripping my work apart and then we were constantly making and then you'd watch the five minute and you'd be bored do you know what i mean you'd yeah. be like this thing is village like why did i do that but yeah i was i was doing a side hustle mate i was i was grafting you know you gotta do what you gotta do that's interesting though like that you have to go through those sorts of experiences but even though you didn't want to do it and you're saying then it's painful to have a deal rip apart your work do you do you not use that experience right now like when you're dealing with notes and that sort of like it trains up your resilience and your like almost trains you out of your preciousness a bit, right? A hundred percent. And you know what? Right now, I am skint, like literally skint. Like we, me and my wife are sitting down every day and we're like, you know, can we afford that? If I, and like Oz knows, I walk around with the baby so she to get her to sleep. And sometimes I'll go that way, sometimes I'll go this way. I've walked past Greg's and I'm like, oh, cheese and onion pasty, £1.45, save it. Don't need to buy that, go home. Do you know what I mean? Mm. It's, it's. You might think, looking at it, you know, I'm on the podcast, I'm in a great place, I'm not bro, do you know what I mean? I've not worked mm. for about a year, and we built an extension, do you know what I mean? It's like, uh, it's dire, in the Masood household right now, it is dire, you know, my wife is selling things, yeah, things we don't need, but she's selling, yeah, do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, to, to fund the lifestyle that we kind of created, but yeah, yeah man, it, it's tough, it, it never stops, and you've got to, um, you know, you just got to be thankful when you are there, if you can. Do you know what I mean? Be present, you know, as much as you can. And, uh, 
But yeah, they were tough times. Defo, yeah, you know, and uh, whatever gig I get next, you know, I'll, I'll be so pleased to get it. You know, no matter what it is, Ollie Oaks or whatever, you know, I'll be like, I'm mm. glad to be here working, you know. Mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. So you, you, you went to Pakistan and did My Pure Land then, right? Yeah, 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 yep, yep. Tough, brutal, horrendous. Talking to thinking about it the other day, talking to someone, and it was like, um, it. it I don't know how to explain how hard it was. You know, like filmmaking's hard anyway, isn't it? That's why you work with the same people, your DP or your AD, because you like it's hard enough. So let me get people who I trust. And we were out there with a load of people who didn't have a clue what they were doing. Do you know? Like the first meeting we had was in McDonald's because they're all about twelve. Do you know what I mean? It was like. My wife was a production designer. Hyder was the DP, came out from here, but there was just three of us. And I got a friend from here as an AD to schedule it. And he was like, I don't know any of the act availability. I don't know any of the locations. I was like, forget that. If you had to schedule this in 30 days, how would you do it? Because I didn't trust anyone out there to schedule it. Do you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But the first day was brutal. Do you know what I mean? Imagine working in like 30 plus degree heat with a load of people who haven't got a clue what they're doing. Actors who think they need to act with a capital A and you're like, don't do it, just think it mm. and we'll feel it. And they're like, what are you talking about? Do you know what I mean? And on the, I remember on the first day, my wife, through doing a location, she stayed on the set to, to paint the set. Uh, we had a petrol generator and she got carbon monoxide poisoning. I get, that night I had to go home, we went to hospital, she was on air. Do you know what I mean? This is like the first day of filming. It was just, the whole, I was I was on, I was in the hospital one day, mate. I was on a drip. It was like, we had people firing real guns at us. And, and throughout all that, you're like, do I need an over-the-shoulder? Do I need a pickup? Do you know what I mean? And <laughs> you just got to keep going. And it's like, it was it was tough, but it was fight or flight. Do you know what I mean? And, I, and we fought, and uh, you come out with it with something. But I, I remember the car journey home every day. I was like, oh, messed that one up. And, you know, that's not going to work. Or just just brutal, you know, to, so, to make something like that in those conditions. But I was kind of, I was trusting in two things, which was like, the lead actress and the lead, the dad, I was like, if I get them two right and I kind of trust Hyder, I trust my wife and me, you know, I, I, the rest is like <laughs> peripheral. And I, I remember we had these bandits, they were just idiots, mate. Some of them were just like, you know, they'd run over there, they'd do something else. We do like four takes and have to abandon the shot because they were like, they're not, this is never going to work. Yeah, it, it, it was hilarious, man. The whole thing was like, if, I, if I've if i said before, if I recorded it, if we had a making of, We'd be millionaires because it'd be the biggest comedy you'd ever seen in your life. Yeah. It was just like, just, I remember writing it and I wrote it 95% exterior day because I'm like, no one's going to be able to light night in Pakistan, yeah? And at the end, I had this um, sun, the sun coming up. So I'd written it, the sun comes up, you know, the lead actress, the sun, you know, imagine a sunrise in Pakistan. Come on, mm, you know, mm, that's, mm. we're being canned just for that. Do you know what I mean? For a sunrise in Pakistan with a woman in it. So I'd written this thing. And then Sahai, the lead actress, was shooting it that night. She turns up at five um, in a PM, and and I was like, "Oh, we're doing the sunrise today." And she goes, "Oh no, I'm catching a flight back to Karachi at two two a.m. Sunrise is like at five. So I'm like, "Who said? Who decided to book her ticket when we're supposed to be doing this sunrise? Do you know what I mean?" So I, I remember just saying to Hyder, "Grab the camera, let's do a sunset instead." Do you know what I mean? Because there was a sunset going on. And, and if you watch it, for somehow we ended up with like thunder, lightning, and the sun came out. But if I'd have been a dick at that point and been like, look, 95% day, I'd written this sunrise, but you, you have to go with it. And, mm. and interesting, there was a book by Danny Ball, my wife had bought me beforehand. And in that, he says, you know, if you trust it, the good and the bad, and you go with it, things will move in your favor eventually, or you will learn something about yourself that is greater than what you wanted to achieve. And that was so important back then, like, yeah, I want to do the sunrise, but I can't do it. So what can I do instead? And the whole time it was literally that there was a, you know, I could bore you with the amount of story. I remember we had a, the whole thing was like, these people come to the house. Yeah. So we'd filmed out of continuity, four bad guys in the car, filmed them driving up to the house, filmed them over there, filmed them getting in the car, driving to the house. The next day we filmed them getting out of the car and one of the bad guys didn't get out of the car. I was like, where's that guy? And he's like, oh, he wants more money. He didn't come. <laughs> so I'm like, where's that shit? He goes, oh, he wants more money. He's not going to. I was like, I've just filmed him. You know, this is a magic trick now. The guy's like blamed it. He's David Blaine. He's rocked up in the car. You do the cut and he's, he's disappeared. Do you know what I mean? So what do you do, us? Do you know what I mean? So what I did is I, I filmed one of our guy, one of his guys shouting, 
Arshad, where are you going? Yeah. Because in my head, I was like, Danny Ball said it will come back to me yeah, if I trust it. So I was like, at some point, this guy's going to have to come back. So when he comes back, I'm going to film him running away. The gunfight starts and this guy runs away. Do you know what I mean? So that'll explain why there's no continuity of him in the rest mm. of the whole film and the fight sequence. But I had to make that shit up on the day. Do you know what I mean? And luckily, he did come back and I filmed him running away. Yeah. But the whole film is... If if we if if I was like watched it back, I would pause it and say, "Do you know why I did that?" Yeah, because the gun didn't work or whatever. Do you know what I mean? Well, they say um, I, I, one of the things I learned at film school. They say like it's the when things go wrong, it's the film gods. Just trust in the film oh, gods, because yeah. ultimately you're going to end up with the film which you are supposed to make, even though it's not the one you might not necessarily have planned. My dad, you know, as Dean, oh, I used to call it the beast, and like the film beast. Mm. You, you, you can't control it man it's it, it's kind of controlling itself it's doing its thing and sometimes it comes with you and sometimes it doesn't and you know it, that's what always makes me laugh is when people are like you know prepping and and even people who listen to podcasts read books and they're like I'm ready yeah you know like those guys who were like yeah bro you know if a lion came at me I'd punch you in his nose isn't it <laughs> <laughs> yeah but the lion might move and he's got claws <laughs> oh bro I'm gonna punch you in his nose uh, yeah but you've got to think mate I know you're prepped, you know you're scripted, you know what you're looking at, but shit's going to happen, do you know what I mean? And, and and that's the reality, is what I would say to anyone listening, is like, you know, read, watch, do as much as you can, but there's something different about being there and, and doing it, you know, like playing football instead of talking about it. And, yeah. you know, like we had a baby, I remember the first baby we went to NCT, if anyone knows, like, you know, where there's the lady and she teaches you what's going to happen when you have a baby, but one of our friends was like, it's a bit like someone teaching you how to, you know, uh, go skiing without being on the snow like you've not actually done it do you know what mm. I mean so and, and a good way to prep is just to make shorts keep making your shorts and that, that'll strengthen you and give you this muscle memory of knowing when shit's wrong or mm. when you don't trust an actor or something like that or how to communicate yeah so when you when you came back like obviously there was a lot of hype around it I remember it was like you know um, it was going to be a contender to be put forward as an was it international film for the for British entry yeah, Oscars. Yeah, yeah, the British. Um, and, it, and, it Oscars. Is a, and it is a good film. You really hold the tension, like, and that that that's something that you know really really comes through. Thanks, um, And then from there, you, what happened then? Because couldn't get a job. Couldn't get a job. Oz. could not get a job. Still couldn't get a job, mate. Yes. Everyone's Shit. like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, great. Yeah. Have you got anything else? I was like, yeah, I've got two other things I want to make. I was like, there's another film set in Pakistan I want to make. And the BFI, not naming names, but the BFI <laughs> and everyone else were kind of like, oh, it's too ambitious. This film you want to make in Pakistan, it's too ambitious. I was like, shit, man, you can criticize me for being ambitious. Cool. And they said, have you got anything set in the UK? So I sent them this cricket film I was trying to make. And they said, oh, it's a bit of a departure from your Pakistan film. Have you done? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. You can't see it at home, but Marcus just threw his hands in the air. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? He's like, you can't win. So I just could not get a job. I could not get a job, yeah. So I think I was back at Muslim Hands, mate. Yeah, editing Sudan videos for, you know, making 14 hours into 10 minutes again. Wow. Uh, yeah, yeah. I still can't get a job. Fact, yeah. So how did you get into content continuing drama then? And you had an agent throughout this and would an, an agent, agent. Hel helping you Well, all? again, they were just, they were getting me into meetings, mate. Yeah. And, um, you know, either I was just really bad at meetings or it was a combination of not having the the, the TV credits. And, you know, I'm talking, I was meeting for doctors, Father Brown, you know, casualty shadowing. Um, I think that was one of my worst interviews ever. Casualty, I think, shadowing for that, yeah. I think apart from them saying I had an ugly face, it couldn't have gone worse. It was really, <laughs> and I'll tell you how bad it was. It was like downstairs somewhere. And when it was finished, they had to walk me out because, you know, they had the, the thing, the fob to get. And that walk was just like. Just, you know, when you, you can't even the make a silent talk. walk. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was just, just like, oh, shave. Yeah, it was just yeah. like, oh, you know, because I didn't like the show. I never watched the show. You know, they could tell I'd watched the last two reps on iPlayer. <laughs> and, you know, it was, just, it was just bad. Yeah, and I was just, mm. oh, mate, you know. Uh, yeah, I couldn't get a job to save my life. But then my agent was in a meeting for something for a load of people. Uh, Paul Robolovsky, who worked at uh, Hollyoaks. They were just talking about how there's no longer schemes for upcoming directors to, to sort of break their bread. And back in the day, it was the bill. And he'd said, you know, Sam had made a short film and, you know, got a feature. And Paul was like, you know, I'd love to watch or, or you know, see. So then he watched it and um, asked me to come up to Liverpool for a meeting. And I was like, it's a long way to go for a meeting, you know, pre-Zoom days. So I remember going all the way up there 
and he was quite honest. He was like, I've seen your feminist Western set in Pakistan. Why do you want to do Hollywood books? <laughs> and uh, I, I was quite honest. I was like, you know, I need a gig and no one's giving me the gigs. And, you know, and, I'd, and, I, and I had watched Hollywood at uni or whatever, but what they did do is they did everything loud and it was quite full of life. And, you know, it was it'd probably been more interesting too than doctors. And he was like, you know, it's tough. And they walked me around. And he was like, look, I'll put you on my list. I was like, cool. And then it took probably about eight months before he called. And even then it was like, he called on a Tuesday and said, can you be here Friday? You know, because obviously someone had sprained an ankle or left yeah, to do casualty out. or something. Exactly. Mm. Yeah. So I was that guy. So he's right. I was on the list. And then that's how I got our break on Hollyoaks. Yeah. yeah. It's so weird though, isn't it? That like, for whatever reason, there's a lack of imagination in the people that hire directors in that the fundamentals of directing is the same across the board. Like when we was on uh, House of the Dragon, like we turned up and watch it. And 70 to 80% of it we could already do. And that was our base level from before we started. Because it's just people talking in rooms. Yeah. But for whatever reason, everyone gets sort of like blown away and kind of buy into the, myst the mystique of all the setting and all of the fancy stuff that goes on. But ultimately, it's putting a camera in front of someone's face and watching them do stuff. Exactly. But, uh, but I think <laughs> if, you can hold on to, if you can hold on to that and, and not be, uh, you know, like have any kind of imposter stuff, like that is literally all it is. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It is like, do you? And you've all got, we've all got different taste. So you know, uh, the way a line is written, you might, you might put the invitation somewhere else, and somebody else would. So it's, that's all it is. And, and yeah, those guys, man. I, I remember having meetings. By the end, I was just like bored, and I was like, oh, it feels like to me, you guys would go for experience over talent, and I'd let it hang, because mm. no one's going to say they're going to go for, they're not going to back someone who's got talent, but they would. They would always go for experience to save their hands. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, so everyone's yeah. terrified of the jobs, I think. And then, and then you did Ackley Bridge, right? Yes, I did. Yeah. Two episodes. Yeah, and that. So I did Hollyoaks, and I, and my agent was like, "You got to do a block, and then if anyone's looking at your CV, they need to make sure you didn't mess it up, so you do another block." Uh, so they're like, "Cool, the guy got invited back." Uh, so I did Hollyoaks, and and shout out to everyone on Hollyoaks, man. I got a lot of time for everyone up there. Uh, got on with everyone. And it's tough, man. It's brutal up there. It is hard because you've got like two or three people shooting at the same time. And if you've got Mandy in a scene and you don't finish on time, then it has a knock-on effect. So, it, you know, I think there were days when I'd ring home and I'd say to my wife, I didn't do anything today. You know, like the DP just was like, crush you, crush you over there, over there, close up, bang. I'd be like, okay. And then I'd say, cut. And he'd say, no, it was soft on his bigger monitor. So we'd go again. <laughs> and then the AD would say, Sammy, happy with that. I was like, can you check with the DP? <laughs> Because mm. I signed off on the last one, he said it was soft. So you know, it was a lot of shit like that. But mm. I knew I had to keep my head down, get in, get out, and uh, that's all I did. I kept my head down. You know, did try to change the carpets, uh, did my shit, got in, got out, and then had a meeting for Dark Money, uh, which the Forge were making uh, for with BBC. Uh, and I remember being very clear in that meeting because I met Levi, the guy who wrote it, and had George Orman, George Faber, uh, and I was like. Um, it would help this project if you have someone of color behind the camera because it will inform your work. And they were like, yeah, yeah. And I was like to Levi, just, you know, whatever happens, if it's not me, cool. Uh, and the BBC were like, no, he doesn't have enough credits. We can't give him the gig. But the Forge were making Ackley Bridge, which is a brown show. They were like, you're brown. Why don't you do that? And, uh, you know, at that stage, I couldn't say no. It was a couple of hours of TV, more credits set in Halifax. Uh, I, I couldn't turn it down. I was, you can't turn that shit down. So, yeah. I did, I did, I did actually bridge. So um, I probably want to circle back to what those meetings are like when you go in for those director meetings. Yeah. Dark Money was actually, in the end, directed by Marcus and a, a, a t one of our teachers from NFTS. Oh, really? Uh, Lewis? Lewis? Yeah, Lewis, Lewis yeah. Arnold, yeah. Yeah, I think he's from, oh, he's in Birmingham Way though, isn't he? Maybe that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. He's but he's not me. brown or black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, we'll circle back to those, to, to, to what happens in those meetings. So you did actually bridge. Yeah, um, up, up in Halifax at the old Catholic high school because that the, there's four schools in there. And I used to go to the grammar school, which was the first. Oh, really? One. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was kind of like the area that I grew up in, Illingworth. Yeah. Um, so you did that great, and then I think was it was it Noel Clark that called you for? No, no, no. So so in between, after Hollyoaks, I had a meeting for Silent Witness, and that was produced by Kieran Murray Smith, and they were like, "You've only done Hollyoaks. We ain't going to give you this gig." Because they don't count two doses and they don't really count my pure land because it's not TV. The TV world apparently in their heads that everyone thinks it's a different beast or whatever. 
I think they think you've done a bit of a Fitzcarraldo and you've just gone off with two people, carried a boat over a hill. You've got no idea how to schedule or anything like that. So I, di- I, I didn't get silent with this. Um, but, so Kieran kind of remembered me. And then when we were in the edit for Aki Bridge, again, got a call on a Wednesday saying, can you start Monday? Because someone had dropped out. Yeah. And and I remember in the it was a Zoom then, or it might have been a Skype. But he was like, oh, we'll send you rushes tomorrow. So I kind of got the sense I was getting this gig before I'd even finished this interview with him and Nick Love. Yeah, he he just remembered me from my, from my silent witness meeting. Yeah, and that's that's how I got it. Yeah, I don't think, I think Nolan Ash might have signed off on it, but uh, he, he, it wasn't, I don't think it was down to them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it, what, it was, what, what, was, what was that like? Because obviously, you know, Bulletproof was like, you know, at that time, you know, Nolan actually were big dogs. I mean, Ashley still is. And that must have been like, you know, I'm directing these really big sort of like industry people and, you know, Noel's history of kiddulthood and what he'd done for the, yeah. the, the cinema and Ashley as well with his history. What was that like? I hope you enjoyed the first part of our conversation with Sam Masood. The second part will be up next week. We really, really break down directing craft in the next episode, so do make sure that you tune in. So if anyone does happen to be listening, get your questions in at thedirectorstakeatoutlook.com and we want you to tell us what you want to know about directing or the film industry at large and we'll do our best to tell you. We want to shape this as a resource for you, so do get your questions in and reach out to us on Instagram, which is the Directors Take Podcast and also on Twitter, which is Directors Take. And leave us a review, please leave us a review on whichever platform you get your podcast from. And I think that's it. So until next time, keep learning, keep failing, and keep the faith.